Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway to let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chapel, and this is the Build Your Network Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Freestyle Friday, where it's just me, you, and the mic. We recently wrapped up a series that everyone kind of get to know some of the awesome trainers that we have training every single day over in Build Your Network University, which is our free Facebook group. If you have yet to check that out, go ahead and head over to byn.university daily live free trainings on a variety of topics. So head on over there. would love to see you there. Today is actually the beginning of a new series that I am especially excited for. If you've been following me at all, you know that I just took a trip with my family for Christmas over to Barcelona, or as they say, Barcelona. And then we went on a cruise in the Canary Islands. And we had a great time relaxing and all that good stuff. But I was especially happy because I got to spend more time with my Mimi and Papa, who are my mom's parents. They've been such a huge part of my life. And uh, while we were on the cruise, I sat down with Papa and we recorded an episode together. Originally, it wasn't for the show, but I've decided, you know what, go ahead and release it. So he's 88 years old and has such had such an interesting life, always tells great stories. So I initially thought I just wanted the audio to show my kids and grandkids one day. But then I thought, why not share the interview with everyone here? So you can all kind of get to know me better because that is what Freestyle Fridays are for. It's for you to get to know me better and me to get to know you all better. But also you can kind of learn lessons from a man who lived through World War II and the Great Depression and all that good stuff. So we talk about everything from his dad's entrepreneurial journey to growing up in the Great Depression area. It's even like race relations back then and versus now. 
and even some of like stories of his time in the army, the LA fire department and all that good stuff. If this is your first time listening to the show and you're looking for more actionable networking content, feel free to press stop and tune into any of the other episodes that I have available. But for everyone else, enjoy this four part series over the next few Fridays that I entitled lessons from my chat with Papa. Let's just start like right at the beginning because I find that it's funny where people end up over time and ending up in Lancaster and Palmdale from where you were kind of born and started the first part of your life is kind of an interesting journey to me. So first off, where were you born? And then what did you do for the first few years of um, like teen, being a teenager and that kind of stuff? I was born in Bremerton, Washington, but we only stayed there for about a year. and. My dad at the time was in the Navy, and uh, so he was assigned from Washington to uh, San Diego. So we went down there and we stayed there a few years, but then he got a medical discharge from the Navy, and we, so, and he had a lot of family in Alabama. So we went to Alabama at that time, and we stayed in the same little country town as his family. Uh, he had a lot of brothers and sisters and his parents. They owned a hotel, so there's always plenty of room for us to, for all the family to stay. So you consequently had a pretty good relationship with your grandparents then? Yeah. On your dad's side, not or your mom's side too, or just your dad's side? No, not, not the dad. Uh, my mother's, well, my mother's mother had died when my mother was only five or six years old. Okay. And uh, I never met her father. Okay. He was in Montana and never went up there. But, and he, well, he hadn't done too well by his kids, so. Hmm. I wasn't that interested anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, a good relationship with dad's parents. Yeah. And they have a hotel. They owned a hotel. Yeah. In Alabama. Yeah, in Andalusia, Alabama, a little country town. It's about 10,000. I think that was 75, 80 years ago. And I think it's still about 10,000 people. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we we stayed there for several years, and my brother Alan, who's a year older than me, uh, he and I had free run of the town. Uh, we'd leave home in in uh, summertime after breakfast and just be gone. We'd wander around the town, out in the country, and we we're pretty entrepreneurial. We we looked for iron and and uh, copper and all this stuff that we could take to the junkyard and sell. <laughs> so so we were budding entrepreneurs. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> so, and we really enjoyed that. Uh, that was a Huck Finn lifestyle. We'd go in the summertime while we'd go swimming in creeks and in some little pools of water that were just collection from the rainfall. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match 
and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And uh, man, it was black water that you you wouldn't <laughs> ever want your kids to get into. But no adults were there, so no, no. So we skinny dip in these black water ponds. It's a wonder we never caught typhus or cholera or something. <laughs> but it was it was great, and then, but that was during the Great Depression too. That was around. 1937, 38, 39. How did the hotel business do during the Great Depression time? They, I don't know, we were young enough that all we knew was that it was there and it it was always available and... So that it did well enough to keep it. Yeah, 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 to maintain it. Uh, But then when, uh, and my dad, he was an actual entrepreneur. He had a, a little clothing store, and and uh, he a couple times went up to uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and he'd take several guys with him and buy some Model A cars, Fords, mm-hmm. and bring them back to Andalusia and sell them for a little profit. <laughs> and he built a uh, about a twenty-foot trailer one time from scratch and these were in the days he had no uh, power tools it was all hand tools hand saw hand drilling hand screwing in everything and he built a trailer from scratch and took it up to Mobile Alabama uh, because the the World War II had just broken out and he took it up there and sold it because people were flocking into Mobile. There's a large shipbuilding industry there that was was going great guns because of the war. Mm. 
Uh, and shortly after that, we moved up to Mobile, and and uh, my folks bought a a uh, grocery store clothing store combination. They kept that for a couple of years, and and uh, there were probably five or six of these mom and pop type stores along this long street, and they all made a living. Uh, okay, but nobody ever could get beef. Beef was scarce in those days, and they have had to have ration cards and all that. Because of the war? Yeah, because of the war. And But my dad, uh, one week when the meat salesman came by, he gave him a fifth of uh, whiskey, which was, you had to have a ration card to buy too. Uh, so that that was a premium item, and lo and behold, uh, a couple hours later, when the salesman got back in his office, he said, "Hey, we just got in." He called my dad. And we just got in a, a, a shipment of beef. You want a you want a side? So my dad said, "Yeah." So that commenced a, a big boom in my dad's grocery store, and mm. dad and mom worked in it, and and. So because he gave the guy a fifth of whiskey, yeah, God yeah. calls him first once he got a new side of beef in. Yeah, and so every now and again, my dad would give him a fifth, and the guy yeah. always seemed to be able to find a side of beef for him. And he was probably the only store along that strip that had beef, yeah. and the other people didn't care for that. You know, they, I'm they, sure, yeah. it was never <laughs> available to them, and they right. couldn't figure out why. <laughs> when World War II broke out, you were 13, 14? No, I was uh, 11. Okay. 11. And Do you remember that time being, like, were you old enough to understand the repercussions of what oh, was happening? Yeah. Okay. yeah, it was it was a big time in, the, in our country that uh, everybody was concerned with the war effort and, and wanting to do what we could to further the war effort. But uh, anyway, my folks owned that grocery store for two or three years and and then they saw a better opportunity and, and bought a laundry and dry cleaners in town. And So they got rid of the store or yeah, they kept sold, it? Yeah, sold the store. and and bought the laundry dry cleaners and and uh, that that was a good going business too of course everybody at that time was making money because the war and the war ended the great depression Hey, what's up, fellow and future networkers? Want to listen to Build Your Network a day early? Download the Himalaya app and follow the show for exclusive first access. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app where you can find every single podcast you love and some future faves. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya has got your back. Discover personally curated playlists and show your favorite podcasters, aka me, some love with Himalaya's tip jar. It's free. It's the easiest platform to use, and they're adding cool new features every single day. So go to the app store download himalaya that's h-i-m-a-l-a-y-a and don't forget to follow build your network once you're there so times were a little bit better at that point 
Oh or yeah, they had been. yeah. People were they could go to work in the shop and in the shipyards for earning a dollar and a half an hour. <laughs> Times are booming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but that was pretty good at the yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, things things went well, but. My dad always had an alcohol problem, and uh, consequently, it didn't make for much of a home life for us. And Alan and I uh, didn't have much interest in school, and the folks didn't. Well, they had other thoughts, you right, know. Right, right. And and so, and for for anybody listening too, so Alan is your oldest brother. Yeah. Who is how much older? He's a year older. Is it just a year older? Well, yeah, maybe fourteen months. And then you have a younger brother. Yeah, he's and... nine years okay. younger than me. Okay. Uh, so this was late teens that now you're talking about. You so lived m most of your childhood out in Alabama, and then you and Uncle Alan were teenagers. But then you decided well, to jump when, into when it, when Alan. Uh, was 15 he she signed up in the army 15 15 told him he was 17 and uh, they took him in he went into the 11th airborne so did he go to was, world war ii did he yeah well it was about six months before the war ended okay. and so his uh, outfit was moving west to participate in the invasion of Japan. Hmm. And uh, fortunately that didn't happen because we probably would have lost half a million men uh, in that invasion because the Japanese were not going to give up. Hmm. They didn't give up easily on any battles that we had with them. But, and, and Allen was Really unhappy at home too because because of the our dad's alcoholism and right. so uh, he was just looking for a way to get out basically yeah yeah that's all it was and so then when when I was about sixteen why mom decided she had enough of it and uh, she and my younger brother and and I left there and we drove out towards California because my mom had some sisters there. Uh, but we stopped in, in Las Vegas for several months and I think that's where my mom got divorced from our dad. Mm. Uh, Vegas at that time was around 25,000 people. <laughs> And today it's what million and quarter million yeah, and a Clark half. Clark County's getting up to like two million almost. I think last time I checked, if I, I could be wrong on that, but Clark County as a whole is yeah. pretty big now. Yeah, but there's about twenty-five thousand people in Las Vegas at that, that time. Only two casinos on the Las Vegas Strip. Yeah, and there are they? They're, they don't even exist anymore. No, it was the last frontier in the El Rancho Vegas. And, <laughs> Neither one. Most of, of the action was downtown at that time. Yeah. All of the action. Yeah. Right. So we stayed there a few months and then moved over to the Long Beach and and our mom 
kind of job my wife was seeing, and uh, she was having a little bit of a hard time making it, so, and I was aware of it, so I quit school in the 11th grade and joined the Army. I, I signed up to uh, go into the 11th Airborne, too, like my brother Alan had been. But when I got to the, uh, uh, I don't remember if it was induction depot or, or what, but something on that order, and ran into a school friend of mine, and he talked me into uh, going into this outfit that he was going into, because we had both passed the exams fairly high, and so it was an intelligence agency, and so I, I went into that anyway, and so then Korean War broke out, and... So how old were you when you enrolled? I was 17, 17. when I went in. Were you supposed to be 18 at the time, or did they... No, if you had a parent sign for you, you mm. could go in at 17. Gotcha. So, and Mom was having a hard time of it, so she signed me on, and there was no war going on, so she didn't worry about that. Mm. But that changed but then, pretty quickly. Yeah, very quickly. <laughs> the Korean War broke out, and I really didn't care for that work. It was very boring. And uh, they came through one day and offered anybody who wanted to could take uh, an exam to go to helicopter school. And a bunch of us took it and there were five of us that passed it. And we were all excited thinking we were going to become helicopter pilots. Um, and our commanding officer decided he couldn't spare us, so uh -huh. he didn't let us go. And that was that was my great disappointment about being in the service, missing that opportunity. Although we would have, uh, that was when Korean War broke out, and so we'd have been sent over there. And I may not may not have had any grandkids. <laughs> Yeah. If I didn't come back from from that, but anyway. So how long were you in the army, and what what were you doing? I know you can't talk about everything that you did, but yeah, it was it was just intelligence uh, stuff. We, well, how do I say it? We we were told to never talk about what we did, and but it's it's pretty pretty common that that we were eavesdropping on Russian and and um, even Chinese intelligence because the Chinese had gone communist after Mao Zedong took over. Hmm. Uh, but the work, like I say, was, was pretty boring. Pretty boring, and that's the reason I was really excited to maybe go to helicopter school. but So I, was, I signed up for three years, but when Korean War broke out, we all got extended uh, by a year, so I was in almost four years. So 21-ish when you got out? Yeah. And then where did you go from 
Well, there. Where did you start? Uh, I came back to Long Beach where uh, my mom and brother and my mom had got remarried by that time. And so I stayed with them for a while and Uncle Allen was there and he had a family and I stayed with them for a while. But then our dad, who was still down in Mobile, had a serious heart attack and Allen and I drove down to see him and he was in the hospital still. And so Allen stayed there two or three days and visited with our dad and uh, but he had a family in Long Beach that he had to get back to so so uh, he he came on back and I had to give him what money I had so that he could uh, get back home <laughs> and so I went about three days without eating <laughs> and I was looking around for something to do and somebody told me that uh, I could get on to a local taxi company yeah. and so I figured well okay whatever I could you know being in army intelligence doesn't really qualify for anything in civilian life right, right. so so uh, anyway uh, I got the job with a cab company and man I tell you the the first fare I got went for a hamburger. <laughs> that was the best uh, hamburger you ever oh, tasted. Oh yeah, that was that was after like an a, unprompted four day fast. Yeah, yeah, like a porterhouse steak. <laughs> but uh, so I did that for two years and yeah. Is that was it pretty fun? Like kind yeah, of interesting. A lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you run into some goofy situations. I remember picking up a guy one time. He was a black guy, a longshoreman, big guy. He's probably six four and two thirty, but he was drunker than a skunk. And he was sitting in the back of the cab, just going carrying on and cussing. And it seemed like some of the cussing was aimed at me. So, <laughs> so. So I I took one left turn really hard, and I heard a thump, and, and, I, and I looked back, and he was on the floor in the back, laying on the floor. So when I got him to where uh, he was going, I told him how much it was, and he got out of the cab, and and he says, uh, and he's standing out there, and he's he's squared off with me with his fists yeah. ready to go. And he says, "Come on out here and get your damn money." <laughs> <laughs> and I I figured even as big a guy as he was, that he was so drunk yeah. that I could <laughs> do okay with him. So I opened the door and got out. And all of a sudden, here come two black guys, one around the front of the cab oh, no. and one of the, around the back of the cab. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what I got yeah. into here. But the guy that came around the back of the cab uh, grabbed this drunk and took him away. And the guy that came around the front of the cab paid me his fare. <laughs> so 
that was that was a relief. A pleasant surprise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was a nice deal, really. <laughs> but but you run into really some funny situation driving. I'm sure. Cab. So during that time, you're there. So you just stayed in Mobile for a couple of years. For was two your, years. How was your dad doing during that time? Well, he 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 got well, and uh, he was uh, learned had learned the upholstery business. So we rented a little apartment in back of a storefront, and he opened up a upholstery business there and I drove the cab and he did some upholstery work and mm -hmm. then I figured well it's time to go back home to California mm -hmm. came back out here and stayed with him for a while and then uh, I was with a buddy one day and went over to his folks house and his dad was telling him uh, that they lived in Southgate, California, and his dad was telling him about the uh, Southgate Fire Department was having an exam. Well, he didn't take it, but I took the exam and I passed it, <laughs> and I went on the Southgate Fire Department. But, but L.A. County Fire and L.A. City Fire were much larger fire departments and better, and you had on L.A. County, you could live anywhere in the county and probably work not too far from your home. Mm -hmm. So I took the county exam, L.A. County fire exam and uh, passed that and, and uh, got on L.A. County and but and we lived we lived down in the L.A. basin and that was in late 60s, say, middle, so middle how, 60s. So how old were you at that time? Uh, probably, must have been, well, it was, I must have been around 45, because it was... When you got on No, to, no, 35, 35. When you got into L.A. County? Or when you got into Well, when I got on L.A. County, I was... 30 or 31. Okay, gotcha. And uh, then uh, we were living down there and and the, the smog in those years was really terrible in around LA Basin. Yeah. And our youngest son, Chris, uh, had asthma and they were- As a baby, right? Yeah, and, yeah. The, the, the smog was terrible for his asthma and several times we had to take him to the emergency room um, because of it and, and his pediatrician advised us to move out of the basin and get up in the mountains somewhere. Hmm. That's when we moved up to Lake Hughes. and So ending up in the Antelope Valley was kind of all Uncle Chris's fault. Yeah, 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 pretty, yeah, yeah, actually. Actually, really, it was. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. You hear my guests and I talk a lot about masterminds here on Build Your Network. They are literally what I attribute most of the new quality relationships in my life to. 
If this is a new term to you, or you've always kind of wondered exactly what a mastermind is or what it does or how much they are, how to find one, all those types of details, you are definitely going to want to take my free mastermind course. It is everything you need to know about masterminds in just six short lessons. It's 100% free, so there's literally no reason to not at least see what it's about. Just head over to travischapel.com to grab that course and start today. Have a fantastic rest of your day, and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.